Today's going to be a lot of fun because we are talking about the topic of sex and sexuality. And here's the truth about, about the way that our minds work. When, when something is repeated or when we see it all the time, when we hear it all the time, when, when something becomes commonplace in our, our culture, our minds begin to think that the stuff that we hear most often is what's true. Just the repetition, even of things that are not true, they feel familiar and that makes them feel comfortable and true. And right now in our world and in our society, we are being bombarded by messages about sex. It's everywhere. And most of what's being communicated is not true. Because the prevailing idea in our society right now is that sex is just this, it's just this physical thing. It's just fun and it's free and anybody can do it. And it's just the best way to have a great time with people that you're romantically involved with. It's just, and it's, it's just this physical thing. And that's just not the truth. And so there's gonna be one big idea that frames my entire, my, my, our entire time together here today. Because if you, if you miss this, if you miss this truth, then it's possible, it's possible that you set yourself up for disaster later. And here's, here's, here's the big idea, here's the big truth. If you wanna write this down, you can. Sex, it's not just physical. It is not just physical. And here's the pushback. Come on, Pastor Brian. I mean, come on, prude. Like, as long as nobody gets pregnant and as long as nobody gets a disease and as long as there's no, as, as long as everybody agrees, then I mean, what's the big deal? I mean, it's fun. It feels good. Like, what? come on. It's, it's just, it's just the thing and everybody's doing it. What's the big deal? Well, the big deal is that it's not just physical. And, and, and I think I can prove it. So I wanna ask you, I wanna ask three questions just to see if I can maybe get all of us on the same page to agree. That, that, that if, in your, if in your mind right now, you're thinking, ah, come on. I mean, I, mean, I, know, I, know, like, well, I know what the Bible says, but like, I, it's, it, come on. Let, let me see if I can ask us three questions that, that get us on the same page. Um, and these are a little, they're a little tough. So just hang with me. Why is it when a child is abused sexually? And, and then as they grow up and they, they reach their, their, their older years where they're able to understand what happened to them, why do they have such a hard time getting over it? Why, why, can't, they, why can't they just kind of shake that off? I mean, and, and some would say, well, that's because they were, I mean, they were betrayed by an authority figure because an, an adult betrayed them or, or lied to them or did something inappropriate or did something that was, they, they betrayed the authority and the trust that they had in an adult. But I mean, come on, think about this. Even, even the best of parents, I like to think I'm a decent dad. Even the best of us parents, we've unintentionally let our children down, haven't we? promise to make it to a ball game and work God in the way. We, we've all on some level and in some way failed our children and lied to our children, but they don't, they don't have a problem forgiving and getting past those things. 
Why is it that sexual abuse in children is so much harder for them to shake off? Think about this. Why is it so much worse when we hear about an incident of rape? Why is it so much worse for someone to be raped than to just simply be beaten up? National statistics in the U.S. say that a woman is two times, twice as likely to report physical abuse as she is sexual abuse because of the shame that's associated with it. Why is that true? Why is rape so much worse than, than just being physically abused? Why is it worse? It's because sex is not just physical. And why is it that for a a large majority of people, the most serious regret that you have in most cases is something related to to, to sexual behavior. When I get people in the office all the time, like, Pastor Brian, I wanna tell you something that I've never told anybody else that I'm having a hard time getting over. It's it's never, let me tell you what it never is. When when those people sit across my desk and they're like, hey, Pastor Brian, I gotta tell you something. It's very deep and it's very personal and I, I have all of this shame. It is never, there was this one time in college, I backed into somebody else's car and I didn't leave a note. It's never that. It's never that. It's always something that has impacted and affected them on a level because of some kind of sexual behavior that they participated in in their past and they just can't get over it. You wanna know why? It's because sex isn't just physical. And we live in a culture that wants to make light of it and wants to tell you that it's no big deal, but to do so, to treat sex like it's just physical is to hurt yourself and other people and it sets you up for disaster later. You see, when when God designed sex, which by the way, can we just wrap our minds around that for a second? That sex was God's idea, this, this, this is where it gets good, right? Like this was God's idea, that, that God in the, midst of, in the midst of creation, right? God's, he's making the world and he's making the, the land and the sea and the night and the day and the stars and the light and he's making, he makes all these animals and he puts, them, you know, puts all the animals on the earth and some of them are in the sea and some of them are in the air and some of them are on the land. And then he gets to like the apex of creation and he makes humanity, like he makes humans, he makes, he makes Adam, he makes a man, and he's like, that dude's gonna need some help. He's never gonna figure this out on his own. And so he makes woman to, to come alongside man and live in unity together. And then in the middle of all this, God goes, oh, I got a great idea. Let's give them sex so they can enjoy each other, so they can be this, this closely connected one unit being, let's, let, let's, let's, let's give them a way to connect in a way that is beyond any other connection on the face of the planet. And he created and designed sex to do that because sex creates this thing that we don't talk about enough. Sex and marriage creates intimacy. Intimacy, here's what intimacy, here's what intimacy means. You can write this down. Intimacy is to know and be fully 
known. To know and be fully known. And God, in his wisdom and his all-knowing, almighty nature said this. This is going to be the thing that I use. Intimacy. I'm going to use this to create the tightest, closest possible connection between a husband and his wife. This is how they're going to do it. Through intimacy. And the key tool that I'm going to use for intimacy is their sexual connection. Two are going to become one flesh. And this is how I'm going to do it. And then he tells us later that this, the reason that he did that is because God wanted us to have the best possible picture that the relationship between a husband and his wife is the closest earthly picture of how God wants to know and be known by us. That the marriage relationship is the closest picture that we get to how God wants to interact with us. That, that he, how he knows us and how he wants us to know him is to be depicted in how we know our spouse and how they know us. And he, again, in his wisdom said, the best way to create that is through a sexual relationship, husband to wife. And single people, you know some married people that got this wrong, don't you? You know some married people that, that thought sex was just physical and now, and now there's, there's trouble. There's a difficulty in marriages where you know some people that are having a hard time connecting because they, they broke this. You know some women who are numb and they, they have no emotion or romance for their husband. And you know some men who can't seem to connect with their wife. And both of them, both of them are looking outside of their marriages right now, feeling like they married the wrong person. They thought sex was just physical and they were wrong. And what's, what's great for us in the church is that the Bible talks about this. It, it teaches us how to, how to better understand this and how to get this right. Sex was God's idea. It's in the Bible. That's how you know that it's not man. This wasn't man's idea. Man didn't come up with this. Man didn't come up with this idea of intimacy, this one-to-one -one relationship for life. That's not a man-made thing. Think about every cult leader you've ever heard of. Every cult that you know of that you've ever heard of, what was the one rule for the dude in charge? Didn't he get to sleep with anybody that he wanted to? He got to sleep with all the ladies in the cult. Every, every documentary I've ever watched about any cult leader, he got to be with all the women in the cult. That's how you know this is not man-made. God came up with this idea of one to one for life. If man would have come up with it, man would have been able to do whatever he wanted to do with whomever he wanted to do it with this this was God's idea. And this is what God says about it. First Corinthians chapter six, the apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writing on behalf of God says this, first Corinthians six, verse 18. He says, flee. That means run away. Flee from sexual immorality. Watch this, this is important. All, in the Greek, that means all. All other sins a person commits are outside of the body. But whoever, in the Greek, that means 
everybody, whoever. But whoever sins sexually, I mean, it's in a category all its own. We tracking? Sexual sin's different. All other sins outside of the body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. It's in a category all its own. Sexual sin, it's different. And it's not different because God hates it more than other sins. That's not true. It's not that God feels differently towards the offense about sexual sin, but because of the depth to which sin affects the offender as well as the offended. This same powerful agent, this same powerful tool, this gift that God gave to to draw a husband and a wife together in the closest possible relationship on this side of eternity has the same power to destroy lives because of the impact that it makes on the deepest levels of our soul. Just a few verses earlier, Paul trying to get this idea across about how how careful we should be with our sexuality. He, He said this in verse 16. He said, do you not know? And they didn't know. They, they didn't, like the people that Paul was writing to, the church at Corinth, we're, we're actually working through the book of 1 Corinthians right now in our small groups. And so we learned this week in our group that Paul's writing to a bunch of people that were getting a bunch of stuff wrong. So he's writing to, create, to correct bad theology and bad practices, bad behavior. So he's writing in correction. He says, do you not know? And they didn't know. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her in body, for it is said the two will become one flesh. Paul says, do you not know? And that word that he uses there unites. Paul's saying, when you, when, when you visit a prostitute, you're uniting with her and you, you're becoming one. And like, I'm just imagining the people in Corinth going, whoa, 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 Paul. Like nobody's uniting with anybody. It's just sex. We're just, we're just having sex. But that word unites that he uses there, it's the same term that means to, to glue together, to, to stick something together in a permanent connection, something that you don't ever want to be separated again. Now, when I think about that, I think about duct tape. There's, there, there's a saying in the home repair, home improvement world, that when something needs to move and it doesn't, you use WD-40. And if it moves and it shouldn't, you use duct tape, right? And Paul says that, man, when you're, when you're in a sexual relationship with somebody that, man, it's, when it sticks, it's supposed to be that way forever. But here's the problem. You see, when you... When you unstick it, and then you you stick it, and when something that was supposed to be stuck and stayed forever comes off and gets reapplied and reused, and we don't want to make this side of the room feel ignored, so we'll come over here too. And when it gets stuck and unstuck, and united and ununited 
and bound for life and then torn off again. Hey, man, I'm Brian. I don't think we've met. Good to meet you. Glad to see you here this morning. Every, every time this happens, we know the impact, don't we? Something that was supposed to be stuck and stay forever will now, man, it just doesn't seem to connect like it did before. And for some of you in your marriage, this explains a dynamic that you've yet to, be understand, to, you, that you've yet to understand. And just like Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, do you not know? That all of that uniting that happened before you united with your spouse, that it, it weakened your ability to stick and to stay stuck. You were designed to become one with one and remain that way forever. That's where we get our word, intimacy. Intimacy, to know and be fully known. And what erodes intimacy in marriage are these half-truths and untruths. We could call them myths. There's some myths about sex that have served to damage the relationships that you hoped to have. And so I wanted to address just two of those myths today and then to provide the truth that helps us better understand. So if you're taking notes, you can, you can write these down. Myth number one, here's the first myth. Sexual behavior is a matter of preference. Uh, it's kind of like, kind of like art. Like, you know, some people like this kind. I don't know the first dang thing about art. Like, I'm, I'm not one of those guys. I don't know how to appreciate art. I don't know what makes some lines on paper or canvas worth a million dollars. And then the stuff that my kids drew on canvas worth, you know, the $5 for the canvas that I pay. I, I don't know. I, I don't understand art. But, but I understand that for some people, it's like they look and it, it moves them and it changes them in a way that they, and it's some prefer this kind of art and the abstract and the weird and like all the crazy stuff that doesn't look right. And, and then some appreciate the, the, the finer art that, you know, that looks like what it's supposed to look like. And, and like people have a different appreciation. And, and some people think that, that sex is like this, like, okay, like, like I hear you, Pastor Brian, like I know maybe, maybe, maybe you're not even, a, maybe you're not a Christian. And if you're not, man, thanks for coming. That you felt safe enough to come and hang out with a bunch of crazy Christians is awesome for us. And we're really glad that you're here. But, but if you're not a Christian, either in the room or watching along with us at home, and you would say, I mean, like, I hear it. Like, I know that your Bible says that you shouldn't have sex before marriage or outside of marriage. And, um, but, and, and that's how y'all want to live. And that's fine. But is it not just a matter of it's not just a matter of preference. Like, what, why do I really have to conform to the same way of thinking about things that you do? Well, it, because it's not a matter of preference. Sexual behavior is not like an appreciation for art. It, I would liken it more to, to dieting and, and nutrition. Because here's the truth, here's the truth. If, if the myth is that sexual behavior is a matter of preference, here's the truth. Unhealthy sexual behaviors have predictable 
outcomes. It's like dieting. So here's another matter of, of choice. I wouldn't call it preference. I would call it choice. You can choose to eat McDonald's and Wendy's and Taco Bell. I love some Taco Bell. Like, I, like you can choose to eat fast food for three meals a day, every day of your life and meals high in fat and have you a Snickers on the way to work and a Dr. Pepper on the way. And like, you can, you can do all of that. And that's your choice. You can choose to eat that way. And that is, that is your choice to make. Or you can choose to eat healthily. You can choose to eat healthy foods and all the salads and the lean meats and the things that are good for you and all the fiber and all, I don't know anything about nutrition, but you can choose. Yeah, yeah look, I, I'm a Taco Bell guy. I'm, I'm preaching to myself today, right? You can choose to eat unhealthy or you can choose to eat healthy. And if you choose to eat unhealthy, there are predictable outcomes. Weight gain, high cholesterol, can't catch your breath when you walk up a flight of stairs. Like you, there are predictable outcomes for unhealthy eating. And the same thing is true of your unhealthy sexual behaviors. There are predictable outcomes. You're gonna wanna connect with somebody that you marry or somebody that you're already married to and you can't figure out why not. And that's because there are some unaddressed, unhealthy sexual behaviors, maybe in your past. And you've wanted to connect, but the glue's just not there. And that's because unhealthy sexual behaviors have predictable outcomes. You know where it leads. Second myth, number two. Here's the myth. Practice makes perfect. Look here, Pastor Bryant, like if I don't learn how to do this thing before I get married, then I'm not gonna be any good at it when I get married. And I really wanna be able to enjoy sexuality and sex with my, with my spouse, whoever they meet. So I need to get some, I need to get like some training. I, don't, I feel weird even talking about this. But um, so uh, most of you know, if, if you've been hanging out with us for any amount of time at all, you know that I was in the Marine Corps. I, I spent five years in the Marines. And um, for, for, for me and for my wife both, purely by, for me anyway, purely by the grace of God, a little bit of conviction from, from some student group ministry stuff that, that had an impact on my life because I grew up in church, my wife and I both chose to wait until we were married to have sex. Both of us were virgins when we got married. And so that, that's our story, both of us. Hers was much more wholly inspired. Mine was more a case of God keeping me out of places I shouldn't have been and having girls break up with me before we could get that far. Like that, that's, that's my story. It wasn't as holy. I don't want y'all to think I was like the holiest kid in the world. I was sometimes trying and God was like, you need to leave him and she did. Like that's how it happened. My wife, she was just really spiritual and holy and pure. But we both ended up, we made it all the way to our wedding day with, without ever having sex with anybody else. I was in the Marines and I, I would say made the mistake of telling my buddies in the Marine Corps that truth. My wife and I are waiting, my, my fiance and I rather, are waiting until we get married. And all of my Marine buddies were like, Brian, my, man, you, no, don't, don't, no, 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 no. Like you, you need to, you need to have, you need to have some other women. You need to get some experience because, because here's what might happen. Like you might get married 
And, and if you're not any good at it or she's not any good at it, you're stuck having bad sex for the rest of your life. You need to get out there and try some other stuff so that you know the difference between good and bad. And then you and your fiance need to go and try it before you get married to see what you're dealing with for the rest of it. This was the advice I, y'all don't ever listen to a Marine about sex ever, except for this one, because I read the Bible now. Don't ever let your friends tell you how, like about, no, don't do that. Now, that's the myth that, man, you got to get some experience so that you know if you're good at it or not. That's the myth. Here's the truth. Romance in marriage is fueled by exclusivity. It is fueled by exclusivity not some skill that you've developed or mastered. Sex is not like playing an instrument. You don't have to learn it and master it. Look at me, young single people, particularly the young, I, I deal a lot with our students now. Young people listen to me, you can figure it out. It's not that hard. You can figure it out. Um, I told my daughter Emma's running slides in the back of the room. I thought she might wanna close her ears for this story. Um, my, my parents uh, gifted to, to my wife and me a trip to Jamaica for our honeymoon after we got married. Yeah, they were very, very generous. They saved up. They were very gracious and generous to us. They sent us to Jamaica for our honeymoon. And folks, I just wanna tell you that was wasted money. I didn't need to go to Jamaica because my wife and I were virgins when we got married. We didn't see a whole lot of Jamaica. I saw a lot of the room at Sandals Resort. Because you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to have any practice prior to getting married to be able to figure it out. You, and here's the, here's the great thing about romance, like the, the romance being fueled by exclusivity. Because I had never in my life had sex with any other person, I have nothing to compare my wife to. I'm the best she's ever had. And she's the best I've ever had. And can I tell you all a secret about sex if you didn't know this? When you've had no sex, there's no such thing as bad sex. It doesn't exist. There's no such thing. We might be awful at it. We might be all, I have no idea. It's the best thing in the world to me. I don't know good from bad. I have nothing to compare it to. And neither does she. And man, what a beautiful gift. Listen, now, we're, being, we're having fun. And we're being, but let me be serious with you. Is there a better gift? Is there a better gift that you could give to a spouse on your wedding day? Than to say, I've got nothing to compare you to. You don't have to measure up because you're the standard. You don't have to feel insecure about anybody else and wondering if I'm ever gonna think about somebody else and that ex from way back when that was bad. There's, there's nothing to compare. It's you and you only. And my wife is the only person to know what I am like sexually. 
And I am the only person to know, the only person in the billions of the people on the planet, I am the only one that knows what she is like sexually. I know her and she knows me in ways that no other person ever will or ever has. And that is a great story. It says, I waited for you. I spent my life preparing for you. I didn't even know you, but I prepared for you. So talking to the young people in the room and then I'll move on to those of us that have been in relationships for a while. You gotta determine, you can write this down. You have to determine the story you want to tell. Teenagers and young folks, I'm talking to y'all. You think about now about the story that you wanna be able to tell your future spouse. And then you have to decide to live in a way that makes that story come true. When you meet someone and get, ma- and get married, you're going to have a story to tell. You gotta determine now which one you'd like to tell. And some people lie. Do you know why they lie? Do you know why people lie about their sexual past? Because they don't like their story. If I tell my story, I might lose them. Does that sound like intimacy? To be fully known by you might cost me you? That's not intimacy. That's not fully known. That's secretive and mischievous. That's not intimacy. That's not God's best for you. So so here's, here's a story. Here's one, here's a story. I was in college, it was spring break, and I met this girl, and we, you know, we got a little crazy, and I, I lost my virginity to her. Of course, we never really lose it. You know, we give it away. You don't lose your virginity, you give it. But I, I lost my virginity, and um, you know, then years later, I made some other mistakes, and I've had some other relationships, and, um, but now, and now, I, now that I've found you, I love you and you only, and I will for the rest of our lives. Let's get married. That's, that's a story. That's, that's a version of a story. It's, it's good. I mean, it's good enough. But, but here's a better one. I, I made some mistakes. I fooled around. I maybe even lost my virginity. But there was this day where I went to this church, and there was some loud guy walk around on stage telling jokes about him and his wife in Jamaica. And he told me to choose the type of story that I wanted to tell the day that I got married. And from that day until this one, I've, I've prepared and waited and planned for you. And I've done everything that I can, even regardless of the mistakes that I made, to live as purely as I can so that from, from that point until now, I could say I've done my best to prepare for you 
so that we could have a stronger and better marriage for the rest of our lives together. That's a better story. That's a better story. Which means that for some of you who aren't married, either in the room or watching at home with us online, right now you gotta make a choice to live the story that you want to be able to tell to your future spouse. Oh, well, we're going to get married because no engagement or no relationship, no, no breakups have ever happened, right? Until you are married, you are not married. That's just logic. I don't you can't, that's just truth. Until you're married, you're not married. So live now to prepare for your future Marriage. Which means that you might have to give something up. Now, you might have to change the dynamic of the relationships that you're in. But here's the thing, and you can write this down too. Giving up something now for something better later is not a sacrifice. You're not sacrificing anything. Giving up something now for something better later is not a sacrifice, it's an investment. It's an investment in your future marriage. So why not make the investment to enjoy the bulk of your life later? That's just good wisdom. Every life has chapters. And for some of you, you're still living in the old ones. But you've got some new chapters to write and a new story to tell. You can only start from where you are. God's grace covers and forgives and you can start today from wherever you are and live in a way that honors God sexually for the rest of your life. That includes us married people as well. So I'm gonna ask single people, young people, unmarried, previously married, live the story that you wanna be able to tell to your future spouse. That's your challenge and your application for today. Married people, we need to renew our commitment to exclusivity. Renew it, remind your spouse, tell them, have the conversation. It is you and me forever. There'll never be anybody else until death. This is the vows that we took, right? Until death do us part. This is you and me. And, and maybe there are mistakes and there are slip ups and there are promiscuity and all that stuff in your past. If you haven't been fully honest with your spouse, you need to be so that you can be known and fully know one another. You need to have the conversations, be open, be honest, be transparent, leave nothing unsaid, all cards on the table so that you can experience true intimacy and then renew your commitment to exclusivity because it's exclusivity that fuels romance. Some 